There ain't no grave 
Welcome to another Life Lounge. It's great to see the hall nearly full. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Life Lounge is about, it's a chance to praise and worship God uh, in this kind of environment. We also have a special guest uh, this evening. I'm very much looking forward to meeting with Sheila. Um, every time we meet in Life Lounge, I don't know if you notice, but you walk under a banner. You usually see it on the way out, but when you can be forgiven for not seeing it on the way in. And if you just turn around, just to remind yourselves, it's awakened and transformed by the love of Jesus. So when we come through the doors, yes, we want, we want to waken you up. We want to waken your faith up so that you never grow tired as you go older as a Christian and on down the path of faith. You never grow tired of worshiping God and bringing yourself to God. Whatever you've brought through the doors tonight, Whatever trials you're going through, whatever Monday morning might hold for you, lay them now at the foot of the cross and use this time to come before God honestly and openly. In Life Lounge, we find that there's a tremendous amount of healing that happens through song, through the words of song, through the, the, the music itself. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, that's just so unearthly. It's, it's unreal in many ways. And yet for the Christian, it should be ordinary every day. So tonight, we're just going to take ourselves through a series of worship songs. Um, I will invite you to stand. If you can, stand. But don't worry if you can't. Take a seat and enjoy it. So uh, we're going we're gonna to start by singing to keep you on your toes, two songs rubbed into, into one. So join with us and praise.
Thank you so much. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your name. We thank you that you're great. We thank you that you love each one of us. You know exactly where each one of us is at present. And so, Holy Spirit, we would ask you to come now into this place and reach out to us as individuals and meet with us so that we can know the living God this evening. Help us, Lord, to lay everything at the foot of the cross and to seek your face with all of our heart. Amen. We've been playing in Life Lounge for ooh, a few years now, and um, it's only in very, very, very recent times that we discovered that there was a bit of a talent amongst us. Yes, it's true. Uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, the, the next song I would like you to sing with us has actually been written by the, the best-looking member of the band. I think I've said that before, and it's not me. <laughs> it's actually Carly. So I'd like to invite Carly just to give us a bit of background to the worship song. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. Um, yes, yeah, so as Brian said, this is a song I wrote. I became a Christian when I was 18 um, after a very long time running away from God. Um, and I've always enjoyed singing. I've always enjoyed songwriting. So it's something that has always been part of my life um, prior to even meeting Jesus. And I was maybe a Christian about a week and I sat down at the piano. I could literally play like four chords, so I couldn't play very much piano at all. Um, and I wrote this song, so it's kind of a bit like my testimony written in, written in song. Um, and it's just what my heart was feeling at the time when I first gave my life to Jesus. Um, so yeah, this is my song. It's fairly easy to pick up, so I hope that you guys can sing along with us and the words should be on the screen as well.
Jesus, you have won the victory. Jesus, you have won the victory. Tonight I've mentioned about that song about uh, feeling free and each of us have to get to that point where we have to say thank you God for for setting us free because without God's grace we would never be free this is a song that celebrates the fact that he has set each one of us free
bear with us for a couple of minutes now as we get these mics set up for our interview. I just leave it alone. There was some issue with the sound. Okay. I don't know what, but they said Noreen said you could come. Well, everybody, um, at Sheila's request, I have to ask you a favour. If you can't hear her, put your hand up. That is the one thing that she's most anxious about. But I think we'll be able to overcome that, Sheila. Yes, but and please shout out if you don't hear. Now, I want to give Sheila, who I think everybody here knows very well, I want to give her her proper title. I didn't know until I got talking to her that she is Mrs. Sheila Mary McCafferty Palmer, B.E.M. I can tell you I've been in situations where I've been nervous, but never as much as tonight. <laughs> this is going to be a roller coaster ride, and all I can say is you're going to find out, learn a lot, and I think laugh a lot at what Sheila's going to say. So Sheila, thank you for letting me be your interviewer. Right. I want to take you right back, if that's okay. And what I want to do is ask you to tell us a little bit about where you grew up and where you went to school. Right. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, I was born in Belfast, and I grew up, uh, obviously, in Belfast, and I went to Belmont School. And uh, I can't say it was the happiest time of my life, because I had just uh, started school, and I got a, bur a burst appendix. And I had to go to hospital, and I was there for about three months or something like that. No, three, four months, four weeks, and then I got home. But in those days, they kept you in hospital in bed for years. And then when I went back to school, I was taller than the other children. But they put me into babies. <laughs> and. In Belmont, in Belmont School, it was one door led into the other. And when I saw the, the class I should have been in coming through, I got underneath the desk to hide. I was ashamed. But then my teacher, because I put, went under the desk, she put me in the waste paper basket. Like, <laughs> I tell you, it was... Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not going to dwell on, on uh, Belmont School. I did mix. Uh, and the attendance officer, Mr. Sinclair, came. I still remember his name. And then <laughs> they found out I was mixing, and then they put me up into the class I ought to have been in. And then I was off. I uh, wasn't too well. Uh, I'd had a wee bit of a cold. And my mother said, when you go back to school, sit on your school bag, and it'll be warmer. I sat in my school bag, and then Miss Ogilvy said to me, 
get out your daughter. I got out my daughter, and I'd forgotten I'd sat my banana. And then she... <laughs> then she hit me. You know those, those big bars? Like in those days, it wasn't like when you were in school. It hit you with that, and then you were hit with that. And then you, you didn't go home and say I got hit, because... What did you get hit for? But of course, it was because it's something about banana. I mustn't talk too much. No. <laughs> well, Sheila, I could never say to you, don't talk too much. But what I want you to tell is, after you stopped running away from Belmont, what school did you go to after that? Oh, before, I must tell you, before I left Belmont School, I was head girl. You see, this teacher, she'd done it five years earlier, but I was in the last class, and the headmistress, Miss McKee, she lived on the Belmont Road, and she kept me back, and she said, why is, what's wrong with you? We love you, but why do you not love us? And of course I said, well, you put me in the, in the, in the wastepaper basket, and you hit me, and all these other things. And she said, you're going to be in my class this year. And I was. And I ended up head girl after all those years of misery. <laughs> and then I went to Strandtown School. Oh, Strandtown after that? After that, yes. Well, then, you told me that you also went to Belfast Royal Academy. That was after Strandtown. Right. Uh-huh. See, it was only, I was only in Belmont School five years. Oh. They only had five classes. In Bel- and that's the old, you know, the built a new place, I don't know many, but this is the old building I'm talking about, yes. Belmont. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you went to Strandtown, and that took you up to, what, 11, or thereabouts? Uh, and we met, war started in 1940. Yeah, I was at Strandtown in 1940. I would have been 10 then. Yes. And that was great, because with... The, the uh, blitz and everything. No school. Great. <laughs> Great. And then they wanted some people, there was some talk of evacuating me. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and I helped the people get into the area centres and everything. And then my friend and I, we used to, you wouldn't believe it, like when you see the children nowadays, we actually roller skated, playing hockey on top of the area shelters. My and then one of our friends was having a wee party and we weren't invited. So we were up on top of their area and we could look into their room. And my friend, she was so busy trying to look into her, into the house, she forgot about the space between the area shelters. She went down. And then I was a few months older, so I got to blame. I was always in trouble. But I wasn't there. I wasn't going to be evacuated. No, no. Oh, all the excitement and the air raids. And you see, the first air raid. Uh, is that all right? Am I talking? You're, you're doing fine. But I think I better ask everybody to put their clocks back for an hour. Or so. <laughs> um, well, what I was going to ask after the, you enjoyed the air raid shelters, you must have moved at some stage to Belfast Royal Academy. Uh huh. And that was still during the war. Yes. What was life like during the war when you got to that school? Well, it was okay. You only got, you know, that much butter and a wee bit of sugar and everything, but there was enough to do. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed 
welcome. And well, I'm, I'm told Muslim, you remember, you didn't know Miss Hindman. She, she, you know, he taught in Royal Academy. I did know Miss Hindman. You did? Yes, I did. Well, Miss Hindman, oh, well, I'm in church, so I won't say anything more. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy it. Now, by the time you left school, I imagine was the war over by then. It must have been. Yeah, that was uh, the war was over in 1945, and I would have been. Uh, I was 15 then. Yeah. Uh, and then I was, uh, I was still at school, and then I did the civil service exam. Uh, and what happened? Did you did you pass the exam? And if so, where did you go? Well, that was another thing. <laughs> I got the exam, and it was to go over to England to civil service. But my mother said, what, you're, going to, you're not going to England? I said, well, I'm, look, I've got it here. My mother thought when I was talking about the civil service, it was dormant. But of course it was England. And my mother was always very good. I was allowed quite a lot of, you know, uh, uh, freedom. freedom. But when my mother said, you're not going to do it, you don't do it. So I didn't get to England. And it was years after that. Then I, I, I went to work in Shorten Harlands. Somebody came and said, would you come and work in Shorten Harlands? And that was Shorten Harlands in Newtonards. And I went to work there. And then my sister had been in the WAFs. Uh, am I getting away from the subject? No, you're not. You're not. Oh, I, I, my sister had been <laughs> my, my sister had been in the WAFs, and we had. I, I was going to join the WAFs, you see, because she was in it. But of course, the war ended. And then she said to me, "Look, why don't you? We were always to have a holiday together. Now she got married." during this time, but her husband was very nice. And she said, why don't you come over? They lived in Bournemouth. Why don't you come over to Bournemouth and have a good holiday? She'll leave work and you could get a job when you go back. So my boss was very kind and he wanted me to ask for leave. But really, I, I mean, I enjoyed Shorten Harness and the people, I loved the people and everything. And my boss was so good, he couldn't have been kinder. And even when I did stupid things, he says, oh, we'll never worry, Sheila, you see. <laughs> a very understanding man. And uh, anyway, so I left and uh, I got sad leaving. But anyway, I went over then to my sister and, and a holiday there. And then when I came back again, I went to Labour Exchange and they said, but look, you have been, you've done a civil service exam, you see? So then I went to work in the Custom House. Right. Uh, now, tell me, that was what, about 1947 or 8? It doesn't matter, around uh, about that. My, my, my arithmetic, although I, I the work I did in Custom House was actually financial stuff. You wouldn't believe it. And I still can't count. But anyway, <laughs> anyway I got through. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, we'll, we'll move on a wee bit. And can you tell us, where did you meet your husband? 
in the custom house. Really? But that was, yeah, yeah but so that's was a good he a civil that was a good, as well? Yeah, but that was a good wee bit later on. Right. I had a, I was engaged to get, well, well, Shall we say that was later on? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, that was later on. Well, yeah. later on when you met your husband, the man you married, um, was there still a rule that you had to resign when you got married? There was a rule in the civil service that I think married women... That, that's quite right. There was a rule, but, but it wasn't all right. But then he said to me, look, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to work or are you going to leave? And I said, I don't care. And he says, well, your mother and father, they were, my father wasn't very well. And he says, well, you could always help your mum and dad. So I did. And then, you see, it was already taken up golf. So I, I, I put, whenever I said cereal to my husband, I used to get my car. You see, I had always had my own car. And I didn't do, whenever we got married, I was going to hold, have to hold on to my own car. So. When I said good cheerio to him in the morning, I was able to get my car and go on down from a game of golf down at, at Mayhew Island. <laughs> oh, oh, I, oh, oh, I forgot about that thing. Well, don't worry about it. Uh, I, uh, we, we can all hear you. <laughs> you see, I told you everybody would be able to hear you. <laughs> now, um, taking you forward a wee bit further, um, then at some stage, Neil was born. Yes, that's right. Now, you had the joy of having a baby in the home. And at the same time, you had the challenge of dealing with a small baby with Down syndrome. That's right. And if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But I think we'd all like to know, how difficult was that for you at that time? Well, you see, I had been pregnant before, and... Uh, 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 Nothing went right. So I thought I couldn't have any children after that. And then uh, I, got, I was pregnant. And uh, then I was with a consultant up on Malone Road. I can't remember a man's name now. But anyway, he, he was very good. And I was supposed to go into, uh, is it Johnson House? Yes. It's actually near the Royal, isn't it? I was supposed to go in there. And anyway, uh, as it happened, things happened a bit more quickly, and I went into Royal. And it was at this time when there was all the trouble. And I can remember the doctor coming in to me and saying, the plane was outside the window, and you could hear the, the gunfire and all this sort of thing. And the doctor said to me, don't worry about outside. I said, don't worry about outside. I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about me. Like, I mean, I had problems of my own. And that was, that was somebody else's problem. So anyway, um, then I was put into this uh, big ward. And it was unbelievable. All these women, they were getting their hair done. Like, they were going to... Uh, have operations, but to get their hair done and getting their faces all done and, 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 and everything. And I remember this, I, uh, Bill came up to see me, you see, and uh, uh, I, I, as I say, I, did, I never got into Johnson House, it was royal. And I could see this lady walking around with her bare feet and pulling curtains around us. Like, uh, 
you know, I don't know why still, but anyway, there it was. And she had three or four children, but she was asking me for advice. She was asking me for advice. And then it's funny the things that happen in your life. And this is a wee memory I have always had. There was a young girl in the ward, and she was very upset and very nervous. And I went and talked to her. And, she, and you see, because I was old, she thought I would know everything. Of course, I, knew, I didn't know any more than she did. And, but I can remember, I didn't say anything medical. But I said to her, you know, you just think, this is all going to be over. You're going to have a lovely wee baby, and it's going to be so nice, this sort of talk. After my Neil was born, I was in a, a wee small room of my own, and I had a visitor. And the door opened, and this young woman walked in with a wee parcel. And she, she came over to my bed, and she leaned over to me, and she whispered in my ear, I will never forget you. And wasn't it the wee girl that I'd been talking to? But I didn't recognize her. It, it's amazing the people who come in and out of your life for a moment, and yet I remember that all those years ago, you know. I'm going on talking. No, you're not. You're doing a great job. We are. I'm enjoying it even if, <laughs> even if we do run over time. Um, but I, I want to ask you, before we go on talking a wee bit more about Neil, your husband was in the RAF during the war. Yes. And then from that, you both became involved in the work of the Royal Air Force Association. That's right. And all the years that I've known you, you had associations with that, and you were involved in flag days and fundraising and all the rest of it. That's right. And you did that without thought for anybody else. You just gave the time to do it. Well, you see, actually, I feel a bit guilty about this because Bill, Bill was in Bomber Command, and he was very lucky. He, he was actually at Dresden, and he, he was very fortunate that he... Uh, he came back safely because I remember he never talked much about it, but I remember uh, hearing him talking to another chap, and he was um, uh, he, he went out to Canada to be trained in the Queen Mary, and he was trained in Canada, and he, he, he loved Canada, and he loved then when he got his commission down to New York, and he really enjoyed <laughs> New York. Well, he was only 20, like, naturally enjoyed it in New York. <laughs> and then after that, we used to go to America and Canada quite a bit, and I really enjoyed it, because he wanted to go back, and we went to Germany too. He wanted to go back to the places he'd been, and some of the places that he'd even bombed, because he still felt badly about it, especially uh, Dresden. But you see, Dresden, I have read all about Dresden since. And people, even, even when he was in the Air Force, it was very hurtful, because some people, uh, because of the Air Force, because they'd bombed Dresden, and so many people were killed, they were taking it out on the Air Force. Now, the Americans went in, first of all, but it was never taken out on the Americans. I, I still have paperwork, because it hurt Bill so much that they were being blamed for it. But what they didn't realize was that around the surrounding parts 
of Dresden. There was a whole lot of uh, things going on for, for Germany. You know, it was going to come back on the British. And, uh, but anyway, uh, Bill came through, uh, through the Air, Air Force, okay, fortunately. And then, then of course, then he, this was the unfortunate part about it. He, uh, we collected for uh, the Rafa for years. But then when he died, I continued, as you know. <laughs> but unfortunately, Bill should have been the one should have got the BEM, not me, because he was he was in the Air Force. I mean, I, I wasn't. I was still at school, so it was. On, on, I feel that that wasn't right, but there it is. Well, Sheila, I I think that really is typical of you. You always put other people first, and you always give the credit to somebody else. And we know from all our experience of being with you here, that you are a most generous and thoughtful and really conscientious and loyal person. And we appreciated that very much. So I want you to tell us, what did you think when you got the letter asking, would you accept the British Empire Medal? Well, I was shocked. And it was really through, you know, Susan McGuinness. Well, Susan McGuinness is a far out relation of, of mine. Uh, my uh, relations are all in England. And fortunately, Susan lives in Bangor and is very, she was an ex nurse. And whenever I've had to go to hospital and everything like that, Susan is always there, and as is her husband. As you, you probably know him, he was in the, the BB. Yes, well, you know him. So I'm very fortunate that uh, I, I have them, and they don't live far away from me either. No. So I'm very appreciative of what Susan does. Like, I try not to ask for anything. I try to do things myself. But it's lovely to know if I do need help, I, I, I can do it. <laughs> And Susan went with you to a garden party in Buckingham Palace. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. And you had a lovely time. Yeah, we, did. we, did. we had a good time. And we, we stayed in a nice hotel in the centre of Bangor. Uh, in London. Ah, uh, in London. Uh, I think it was a present or something you called it. But anyway, it was very, it was very nice. And uh, uh, it, it, it was handy to get to everywhere, so we were able to walk round to uh, to Buckingham Palace and, and get there. And that was nice too. Uh -huh. well, and just stepping back a wee bit, just briefly, you've talked about the support you gave to the Royal Air Force Association and how you continued after Bill died to continue raising funds and supporting it. But you also did a lot of good work for Glenn Craig, where Neil has been living. Oh, oh yes. Oh, I've always done work for Glen Craig, always. And, well, naturally, like, Neil, you see, it was, Neil was taken from us because um, when Neil was born, uh, you know the way, I didn't realise that until then that very often people left handicapped children and walked away. I never, I didn't know that. And I always remember 
after Neil was born, and I had to go back to, I was with a, a consultant on the, on the um, I forget the name of the road. Not this, yeah. Not the Omer Road. Lisbon, Lisbon? No, 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 doesn't matter. I have to go to his house anyway. And I always remember him saying to me, when I went back, how's your husband? And I says, well, he's all right. And I always remember what he said to me was, when I asked your husband, by the way, I was, uh, uh, Neil had been born, but I was still unconscious. But unconscious or no unconscious, when I, I couldn't open my eyes, but I could hear, you know, talking. And I said, what is it, a boy or a girl? And the answer was, it's a boy. Is he all right? And then they said, go back to sleep, Sheila. But I wasn't. Is he all right? And the consultant told my husband to say, yes, he is all right, in case I didn't come out of it. So when I wakened up the next uh, morning in, in, uh, in hospital, I thought everything was all right. And then the consultant came in with a sister. And I, could, I still can't get over this. He sat at the edge of the bed and said, I'm sorry to tell you, your son is Down syndrome. And now I'll leave you to cry. And he and his sister got up and walked out of the room. And I was there, I, I was so sure everything was all right. But it wasn't. And uh, so that was it. But anyway, uh, when I went back to the, the, this man later on, and he said about my husband, I, he, and he said, um, I, I, as I say, he told me that people very often walk away and leave the children. I couldn't believe it. But he said, your husband, his words to me were, I'm going to take him home and love him. And that's just what he did. And Bill and Neil were the best friends. Well, well three of us were friends, but Bill uh, just adored Neil. But then what happened was, uh, when, when Neil was, uh, he would have been about six or seven, he uh, got pneumonia and was up in the Ulster Hospital. And um, he'd only been in there for about a week or two weeks, and I got pneumonia, and I was over in Foster Greens. So uh, Bill had to come between the two of us, and I was in, in Foster Greens for about, must have been about three and a half months. But the strange thing about it was, they kept Neil, they wouldn't do it now, but they kept Neil in hospital too, because he was very well behaved, wee boy. And because I, I, I always treated Neil as just a normal child, and he had to do things, hold his knife and fork properly and do all these things. So he was no trouble in hospital, and seemingly they loved him. The only thing he did was, there was a room that was all the pajamas, you know, in shelves, and every now and then he'd go and put on a pair of pajamas. <laughs> but seemingly that was all. But then when I, when I eventually got out of hospital, 
It's unbelievable. This had all been arranged. I wasn't going, we weren't going to be allowed to keep Neil because I wasn't well enough and he had to be well looked after. So that was why he had already been at school before this in, at Dundonald. You, 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 the school now is moved, yes. but it was beside Dundonald Hospital at that time. And I always remember, Neil, Neil loved it. The only thing, he was a bit, he was a good wee soul, but I can remember one time, he was supposed to be um, a, a rabbit, and they had to put him, make a wee, like a wee uh, thing and put him into it, and his face was just up, up uh, over it, you know. And then the next thing was, he, he saw us sitting in the house, yeah, Mommy and Daddy! <laughs> but he, he, loved the, he loved the school, and then, as I say, he, uh, I wasn't even allowed to go into the hospital to take him out. It was straight down to Glen Craig, and I hadn't seen him for all that time and he hadn't seen me. And uh, that was, uh, it wasn't easy. No, I'm sure. It wasn't easy. But anyway, the point is this, it was, it's worked out to be the best thing because Glen Craig, now it's different from what it was when he first went. When uh, Neil went to Glen Craig, everybody, the, the, parent, uh, the homes were run very often by a husband and wife and children. And that was the way it was. And the people who uh, were very well educated, these people who were actually came from Germany, they were Jews, and they were very clever, like they were professors and things like that. And they started over in Scotland, and then uh, people here asked them to come over, and that was how Glen Craig started. And they were lovely people. Now, it's still lovely, but those people have died now. And it's more like a home, people come in and out, but it's still a wonderful place. And Neil can roam all around it, and he loves it, and he's happy there because he's got all his friends, and he's got his football, which is very important, and uh, he, he's happy. Well, Sheila, we, we really appreciate you telling us about that. And um, all I want to say to you is that in all the years, most of us have known you quite a long time. Yes. This is a very long time. You've been, um, and I said it previously, you've been totally faithful to everything that goes on in this church. And I think of our circle of friends as an example of that. Now, we feel, and we've watched this over the years, no matter what you've been faced with, and more recently with illness, you have a tremendous determination, you have great courage, and above all, your spirit inspires all of us. You are just not going to give in. And we see God with you in that journey all the way. And really, you make many of us feel inadequate whenever we see what you're capable of and how you get on with it, and how you do it. And every time I get a chance to talk to you, you finish the conversation almost every time with the same two words. Do you know what the same two words are? No. No surrender. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Paisley. <laughs> well, Sheila, can I, can I genuinely thank you 
for being our guest here tonight. And I hope everybody here will feel that we have learned a little bit more about you, but most of all, we've had the pleasure of your company and your inspiration. And we just pray that God will be with you in the coming days. I know you're about to start some more treatment. We pray that that will be totally effective and that we will have you back setting an example for us for a long time to come. Thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you very much for asking me. I just feel like saying thank you and good night because that was just superb. <laughs> the thought of a teacher putting a child in a waste paper basket as if, as if that's normal, you know. There you go. That was absolutely wonderful. We, we asked Sheila, as we do a lot of our interviewees, is there, is there a song that, that means something to you that we could sing together as a church family? And uh, Sheila chose this next song. So let's all stand and sing this together.
out again. I said every store. Let's pray. Take a seat and we'll, we'll pray. Father, we want to remember those words. Don't be afraid. I'm your strength. Before you know it, we'll be walking on the water. We'll be dancing on the waves. Father, thank you for this time out just to, to concentrate on you, to sing about you, to worship you in truth and in spirit. And I pray, Lord, now that you would help us in our walk for the rest of the week, that be, we would each be very much aware that you're with us and that your spirit is in our lives. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for Sheila, for the faithfulness that she has shown us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the last Life Lounge for quite a while. And <laughs> what? <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, so, purely because uh, we've other things that we're involved in, uh, but we will be back in September. Uh, so, I thought as our last time together, it should be a time of celebration, as time of real praise. So, in this one, feel free to dance. I've never actually seen anyone dancing here yet, but that's, that's just around the corner. So, this is a song that will be familiar to uh, everyone in Ballycrocken. This is Show Your Power.
Thank you so much for being here in Lifelines this evening. Have a great week. Go in peace.